What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and we just got done with week one, all in the books. And today I wanted to hop on, give you guys my top 10 takeaways, lessons learned, fantasy reactions, all that good stuff. I think this will be a fun way to hop on here and kind of give my reactions for the week. So we don't just have to like rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat where I just, you know, dive into the waiver wire and all that. We can kind of digest what actually just happened. So we'll see, you know, how this does in the algorithm. If you guys like this video, if not, I can just split this video up into a, you know, a running back waiver wire. And then tomorrow we do a wide receiver waiver wire. I think I got hair on my glasses. I don't know, but we're going to do this for today. Now, this is going to be one take Drake. These turnaround times are a bitch in the season. Like we are out here. It is what Monday today. I need to get an upload out today. So we're out here pretty much doing this live. I got like a nice little software set up where I'm going to be dragging the pictures on the screen and all that. So let me know how you guys feel about that. I don't want to waste any more time. We have 10 solid solid takeaways with a nice little bonus at the end so stick around for that now with all that being said let's go and that was that was me doing that manually but i think that this i think this will will work out pretty well now the first takeaway from today now i didn't say it before then but make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like we're gonna be doing daily content we're gonna be doing more than just daily content we're gonna be doing a bunch of live streams all that good stuff so make sure you're subscribed you leave a like on the video it helps us out a ton but the number one takeaway that i got from yesterday is healthy scratches suck they're so tough man we were we were literally live i was live streaming with you guys every sunday morning i'm gonna be setting my lineups and helping you guys out with yours we got that news trey sermon and zach moss healthy scratches for the day a lot of us had them in our RB2 spots and that hurt. That hurt because we, we were scrambling at like what 11 a.m. trying to find replacements. Thankfully, I had I had Singletary in a few places. So I did get, you know, that little bit of a, a last minute bump. But now it's kind of, you know, what do we do with Trey Sermon and Zach Moss? What's the plan here? Um, I get a lot. I'm getting a lot of questions. You know, are, are we dropping Sermon? Are we dropping Moss? Let's first go over Sermon. So with Sermon... I don't know how that works where Sermon gets healthy scratched and Elijah Mitchell's in and Jermichael Hasty's in. I want to say maybe because Jermichael Hasty and Sermon are special teams guys, that that would be the reason for Trey Sermon getting healthy scratched. I don't see how you spend third round draft capital on him, but give the nod to Elijah Mitchell. Now we'll get into Elijah Mitchell later, maybe on the waiver wire show tomorrow. I love Elijah Mitchell. I actually have him in a couple leagues where I know he's going to be the number one waiver wire guy. I had him in a couple leagues. And if you guys were watching the videos, I mentioned him in a few of those videos saying that once Wayne Gallman got cut, I'm a big fan of Wayne Ga or of Elijah Mitchell in deep leagues. The thing is with Sermon, with Mostert getting hurt, I think that Sermon is going to get his crack at that job probably as soon as next week. So I'm I'm holding on because Shanahan has a committee. Like last year, if you look at it, like it was Mostert early, then you had some Jamichael Hasty, then you had Jeff Wilson down the back. I think we're gonna have four, five, six stretch like week stretch of Trey Sermon being the RB1 in that backfield. And that's a valuable role to have. We saw that today. Elijah Mitchell, or we saw that yesterday. Elijah Mitchell slotted in there and was literally an RB1. So that is something that's valuable. Now on the other side, we have Zach Moss, who I actually liked going into the season. He's full on droppable at this point. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying to just, you know, drop him. But if you have someone on waivers like an Elijah Mitchell, you want to uh, spend a, a claim on, a, a bid on, I don't mind dropping Zach Moss because one, the Bills running back job isn't really even sexy. It's not something that we're really coveting. And he lost a job to Matt Breida. Like Matt, Matt Breida isn't anything special. He's not anything great. He also lost a job to Devin Singletary. So getting scratched there 
in a in a role that's not even that valuable for fantasy i'm good with moving on from zach moss then we go into number two for today and this one is that the detroit lions aren't a dumpster fire offense you know i heard all offseason that you know we can't be drafting swift hawkinson whoever on this team because the lions would be the worst offense in the league and the only way the 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 only thing that needed to happen for those guys to pay off is the the lions just didn't they needed to be not the worst offense in the league i was personally under the impression remember talking to bush about this or bush i think bush said this in one of his videos on the fantasy stock exchange but he was saying you know, this team is probably going to be somewhere in that like 20 to 25 best offense, which is fine. That's serviceable. You're going to get fantasy weeks out of them. You know, this week we saw something crazy. We, we saw Jamal Williams finish as the RB2, Swift finish as the RB4, Goff finish as the QB3, and Hawkinson finish as the tight end three. Across the board, besides wide receiver, they saw top five fantasy finishes at those positions. Now, was it a wonky game script where they, you know, was it like a 20 something point game and then they got an onside kick and all this craziness happened yes but 33 points against the san francisco defense is 33 points against the san francisco defense and let's talk about swift because swift has been a guy that i've been talking about all offseason i've been hearing nothing but you know it's it's going to be a committee and he's not gonna be able to produce everything happened the exact way we thought it was going to happen in green bay aaron jones only had a 60 percent opportunity to share snap share and you saw jamal williams eat into that about 33% snap share. That's exactly what we saw on Sunday. There was a 68% snap share for Swift, and that's what we thought was going to happen. Now, Jamal Williams did get some touches there. He got 18 touches. Swift got 22, though. He had 22 touches over 100 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. The most encouraging part is that he got this huge game. He got this huge role in the passing game. He led the team in targets with 11 he was literally their wide receiver one, 11 targets for DeAndre Swift. That's all we could have ever asked for. 22 touches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. I can't stress that enough. Now, I get that Williams was there. Williams actually had a great game himself. I'm actually starting to think that they're both going to have starter value because this team is going to want to filter a lot of touches to the running back because of how bad they are at wide receiver. They have guys, Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross. They, Quintez Cephas is like their number one wide receiver. So a lot of those touches are going to filter through the running backs and then also into Hawkinson. Hawkinson's a guy that we've been all in on in this offseason. He had 10 targets, 8 for 97 and a touchdown. Hawkinson is firmly in this situation where he is going to be a top five tight end. I think he could even push for, you know, the Kittle, Waller, Kelsey tier this year. That could, it could be his year this year to do something like that. So I'm all in on Hawkinson, Swift. And like I said, I think Jamal Williams is even a, you know, a fine zero RB, you know, starter that can kind of start in spots for you. And this, this third lesson that we have learned, or third takeaway, is don't panic on your bell cows. Najee and CEH, they had down weeks, but their usage was encouraging. You know, Najee literally saw, this is what's insane. I, I will give this to Najee. He literally saw 100% every single RB snap and every single running back opportunity on Sunday for the Steelers. And I've been lower on Najee this whole offseason, but he got the volume you guys wanted. And this is really encouraging. So this is not, if you drafted Najee Harris where you drafted him, you cannot panic now and, you know, go sell him because he didn't produce. 100% of the opportunities is all you could ask for. He played against the Bills. And I also want to say, I faded him because my whole idea was, I know he's going to get massive volume. I think it's going to be inefficient volume, which is what it was on Sunday. Why pay for him at the, like the 203, 202? I even saw him go late first at the back end of draft season. Why pay for him there when Mixon and, you know, even a guy like CEH fell towards the back end of round two. I could even get them at like 301 at times. I have I have two teams with McCaffrey in the FFPC. 
I have two teams where I have McCaffrey and Mixon and McCaffrey and CEH. And I think they're a similar bet. But regardless, I think Najee's going to be fine. 100% opportunity share. He pretty much got exactly what those guys, or he got, I guess, more than Mixon and CEH. And that's what you paid for. He got all that volume. When they have softer matchups, I think he'll be better. I think he'll kind of grow into his role as the season goes on. So that's really encouraging. I wouldn't be like trying to sell Najee. I think that he's kind of a, a buy candidate if anybody's scared and isn't really looking at the, reading the tea leaves, if you will, of, you know, the opportunity share. Like I said, 100% opportunity share just doesn't happen. Then we have the same thing going on with CEH. Don't panic on CEH either. Like I said, do not panic on your bell cows. CEH saw 90% of his team's backfield carries and targets. He was the main guy. I'm not, I'm not panicking at, at all. This was a weird game script for the Chiefs where they were kind of playing from behind. They were they dropped 33 points. And the thing is that no other wide receiver really stepped up. Like the, the only way that CH goes into a role where he isn't valuable for fantasy is if like McCole Hardman just decides, okay, I'm going to be a baller and get like seven, eight targets a game. CH was third on the team in targets with like three. So he's going to be fine. He saw 90% of his backfields, carries, and targets. He was that main guy. And the touchdowns every week aren't going to be as centralized as they were, where it was like two to Kelsey and one to Tyree Kill. Random touchdowns happen on that Chiefs offense. CEH is going to luck into another one, or, you know, he's going to get a, a few here and there. He got all of the backfield carries and targets. Jarek McKinnon didn't log in a carry. I think Darrell Williams only had one carry. So they they are looking at CEH as a, as a main bell cow on that team, on the Chiefs. So you're still getting a bell cow on the Chiefs. He just didn't perform this week. He he will in the future. And another guy that kind of fits this, this kind of build, he's the last guy on that list, Antonio Gibson. This is the fourth takeaway is to get excited about Antonio Gibson. He only had 11.8 PPR points, but man, I'm guys like this is, this is what we needed to happen. The whole idea was you draft Antonio Gibson and you hope that he, he gets that receiving back role. I know he only had 11.8 points. He might've busted for you this week. We, we needed him to beat out McKissick for that pass catching role. And that's what he did. He led the team. He led the entire team with Terry McLaurin there. He led the entire team in targets with five. McKissick only had one target to Antonio Gibson's five. He also had 89% of the running back opportunities. He had 25 touches, man. He had 20 carries and five targets. I'm extremely optimistic about Antonio Gibson. Please, please do not panic on Antonio Gibson. This was a this was a, a bright spot for Antonio Gibson. The amount of touches that he just saw. He is looking at almost a, a McCaffrey in year two-esque type role. That's that's huge. That's huge. Not every week are they going to go against the Chargers and have a weird game script like they had. That's a very positive sign for Antonio Gibson. And our fifth takeaway is going to be that these rookie wide receivers are producing as early and as often as ever. I'm kind of just done with this idea that rookie wide receivers can't produce in year one that we kind of see everywhere. All I could see is like, you know, fade Jamar Chase. You know, he was drafted too high. We're not taking him in the fifth round. Jamar, I did all of my drafts towards the back end of the season uh, for the FFPC, which is I have like nine leagues on there, $350 leagues, high stakes leagues. And all the boomers wanted to fade Jamar Chase. You know, he's a rookie and I scooped him up every time. I have him on 33% of my leagues. I have him in three out of nine leagues on that platform. And he paid off huge yesterday. He had five catches for 101 yards and a touchdown in his first ever start. Everyone wants to talk about the drops. He was clearly the alpha. I think that him and T. Higgins are going to be borderline top 12, top 15 wide receivers moving forward. And this was also a week where we saw three rookie wide receivers finish in the top 25 in PPR. Even guys that I wasn't even that high on coming into the season. We had Devonta Smith have six for 71 and a touchdown. Waddle had four for 61 and a touchdown. It's wild. 
this is very encouraging for these rookies especially knowing what we know where when we did the 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 research this offseason we know that these wide receivers only ascend you know as the season goes on they only get better their points per game goes up their routes goes up their targets go up if this is the floor like i can only imagine what these guys are going to be doing by week 10 and we also saw really encouraging signs from the more low-key rookies terrace marshall saw more targets than robbie anderson he played in the slot so Terrace Marshall is pretty much assuming that Curtis Samuel role. He out-targeted Robbie Anderson. He was getting red zone looks. He looked really good today. Or I keep saying today, like the games didn't happen literally yesterday. Then we saw Elijah Moore. He saw 56 out of 65 total snaps. He ran plenty of routes. He just didn't get the targets. It's coming though. These wide receivers, most of them will take a little bit to adjust, especially the guys who didn't get drafted in the first round. And then we also saw Diami Brown. He matched Terry McCorn in targets and he ran 92% of the routes on his team. With Curtis Samuel out, Diami Brown is sneaky. Keep tabs on Diami Brown, man. He he is in a spot where he could blow up. So I'm keeping tabs on Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, Diami Brown. Rondell Moore is a little bit in a wonky spot because you have Christian Kirk who just went crazy, but AJ Green didn't look great. I think that eventually Rondell Moore works into, into more snaps, more targets, but that's going to be something a little bit farther down the road. And what is this? I want to say takeaway number six. I could be wrong. I probably should have numbered these before I did this, but takeaway number six we have Urban Meyer is going to be an absolute headache this season. The guy is an idiot. Like he's genuinely, genuinely not great. I've seen reports that he's already losing the, the locker room. He just like goes into fits even when they're losing in preseason games. They just lost by 16 to the Houston Texans. They got handled by the Houston Texans, man. I think they were like, they were favorites in that game. Maybe like minus three and a half. I mean, the, it just like the Urban Meyer situation just seems very dysfunctional to me. I don't know if he's going to step down midseason, but, but Urban Myers and the, people, the concerns that people had for Urban Myers operating an NFL offense were warranted, man. I'm not a James Robinson guy at all, but the disrespect to have him only see 64% of the snaps and split touches with Carlos Hyde 50-50, 11 touches to 11 touches. I have no clue what Urban Meyer's thinking. I think this hurts. I think this hurts even the wide receivers. It hurts even like Trevor Lawrence. I think the wide receivers and Trevor Lawrence didn't have bad days, but you just never know with this guy like urban meyer he cut colin johnson who we know is pretty good at football he's giving carlos hyde meaningful touches when james robinson's in the backfield i don't know i have no clue i have no clue what urban meyer's ever thinking and you genuinely hate to see it for james robinson owners thankfully i had travis Etienne, where i would have had james robinson so we're screwed anyways but yeah i feel for a lot of you guys out there that have james robinson i have no idea how i would be playing that i think james robinson is a, is a tough start moving forward carlos hyde is obviously an ad off waivers but at the same time he has like almost no juice left it's just a very weird situation so I, that's what i'm saying urban meyer is just going to be such a tough tough read all season then we have our seventh takeaway and that's going to be that cup is the clear number one in la i know robert woods is going just ahead of him in redraft but i think it's pretty clear that robert that cup is going to be you know the number one he's stafford's favorite target so far cup saw the field with 51 out of 52 snaps out snapping woods 51 to 42 now that's nothing crazy but it just shows that he has you know in in the rare like one wide receiver set and everything like that cooper cup is that dude he also had seven catches for 108 yards and a touchdown against a tough bears defense whereas where we look at robert woods and robert woods got saved by a touchdown after going three for 27 last night he only got four targets he was out targeted by tyler higby so i'd be a little bit concerned about robert woods now again the bears are a tough defense i think it's more so that I'd be slightly concerned with Woods because I think that a lot of people drafted him in like the late third. I'd be slightly concerned with Woods, but I wouldn't be panicking per se. 
Well, I'll also say that like if I had Cup, I would just be feeling very good about it. He is going to be like the wide receiver one for this team. It's already shown that he had that big splash play where they he went deep down the field. Stafford caught him. I think this is going to be a, an electric offense with Stafford. And then we have, I want to say this is number eight. I, I probably keep, what is it? Eight, nine, ten. Yeah, so this is eight. And Brandon Ayuk, this is sad because you guys know I've been talking up Ayuk all offseason. This is one of the few L's I took yesterday. I will say though I'm not I'm not super concerned. The 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 takeaway you know like the tagline is Brandon Ayuk needs to be on benches, but I'm not panicking. I'm not panicking with Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk was held in yesterday's game without a single target. Trent Sherfield started ahead of him. Trent Sherfield actually looked pretty good. And my takeaways from the Brandon Ayuk thing is that it seems this was injury related. It seems that Ayuk has been dealing with a hamstring injury for the last ten days. Shanahan said that that's the reason why he was so limited. He also said that Trent Sherfield really came into his own in, in uh, camp. And that's why Trent Sherfield came out here and played so many snaps. But I'm I'm pretty much saying that Ayuk was limited because of the injury. Trent Sherfield slotted in front of them and or in front of him in a cupcake matchup. So I think I think that eventually we see Ayuk come back to full health and we see Sherfield move down to wide receiver three and be and be a really good wide receiver three. But the idea that he would start over Ayuk when Ayuk is at full health, I think is crazy. For me, I'm, I would just be waiting it out. Hold him on your bench. Don't start him yet. Wait until he comes back to full health. Wait until he gives us a good game back. But I think once we're at like week three, four, five, everything will be back to normal. And another uh, another huge, huge takeaway is Jonathan Taylor is finally catching passes. Everyone all offseason, all I heard was, oh, Naeem Hines is there. I had a guy, I had a guy victory lap. I had a tweet out where I was talking about uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be great, or I was just talking about how I like Jonathan Taylor because he's going to be fine. He's going to be very efficient. He's going to be, you know, he's a very talented running back. The pass catching will be there. And he's like, oh, but Naeem Hines is there. Oh no, it was, it was Nick Chubb against Jonathan Taylor. How can you fade Nick Chubb because of Kareem Hunt, but not fade Jonathan Taylor because of Naeem Hines? And the problem is, is that Naeem Hines is great in the passing game, but he's no Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is like a legit, like if, if Kareem Hunt was on the Brown, like if Nick Chubb gets hurt tomorrow, Kareem Hunt is a, a top two round pick. But with Jonathan Taylor, what we saw today is that they're going to use him in the passing game, which is massive, man. That was the biggest That was the biggest concern with Jonathan Taylor. He was the RB10 today with no touchdowns, and he got there on 17 carries and seven targets. Seven targets is insane for Jonathan Taylor. Like, seven targets was more than Antonio Gibson. Like, seven targets is legit. Now, they did have a, a negative game script, but when we're talking about Jonathan Taylor, where he gets 20-plus touches, he's getting utilized heavily in the passing game, despite Naeem Hines, that's perfect. And this this situation for Jonathan Taylor is perfect because he has that he could get to 20 touches while Naeem Hines is also getting receiving work and it's because they didn't like Marlon Mack didn't see the field at all Marlon Mack didn't get a single target carry anything like that it was strictly a two back it was strictly a two running back backfield and they give so many targets and so many touches to the backs in that offense I think that I want to say Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor were the top targets on that team yesterday so when Marlon Mack isn't in there, it's not a three-headed monster. Jonathan Taylor can still get his while Naeem Hines also still gets his. Jonathan Taylor also had a touchdown called back yesterday. So know that he could have gone crazy had he actually scored. Jonathan Taylor is a top five, top six, top seven running back moving forward. I'm actually, I'm very happy with that yesterday, even though he didn't explode. Now, this last takeaway is Jalen Hurts is that guy, pal. He is. And I've been talking about this all offseason with Jalen Hurts. And people want to say, you know, like, here's the thing is it's almost like his long-term future with the team doesn't really matter. You know, Tom Brady, 
this is this is just like a one-off example but let's say like tom brady retires next year tom brady retiring next year doesn't factor in how he plays in 2021 same thing with jalen hurts i don't care about the deshaun watson talks i don't care about any of the trade talks anything like that as long as jalen hurts is playing for 2021 that is all that matters hurts put up 28 points yesterday without a rushing touchdown that's massive for him because we know that the rushing is there he's going to get his rushing touchdowns he had like 62 yards yesterday but he's growing as a passer he had 264 yards passing three touchdowns no interceptions and he finished the day as the highest graded passer per pff he is going to be this year's Konami code quarterback. It's now gotten to a point where I was actually fading Jalen Hurts in Dynasty and Redraft. Um, I want to say back back in like March. If you go back to my videos in March, I actually had something where I was like pumped the brakes on Jalen Hurts. He was like the QB 11 or 12 in Dynasty going in like the back end of the second round. People have came all the way back on that. I'm now higher than consensus on him in Redraft and in Dynasty. Jalen Hurts, I'm, I'm a very big fan of. And Devonta Smith played great. Goddard played great. Even Jalen Rager played great. So it now looks like he has some weapons around him. I'm a big fan of what Jalen Hurts has to offer. Now, a little bit of a bonus. One more takeaway. And I don't mean this to victory lap or pump my own bags. But yesterday, I went 8-1 in my nine $350 FFPC Football Guys Championship teams. And I just wanted to show this. This, this is the, the last takeaway. Is You don't need running backs to win in fantasy. You don't. I've been preaching... Here's the thing. I practice what I preach. I would not tell you guys to go draft a zero RB team if I would not do it with my own money in a high stakes league. And the one team that I have in there that is a true, you know, I went six straight wide receivers. I don't even like going six straight wide receivers. But on that team, it's to the to the right of me or to the left of the screen. We ranked in the top 100 after week one, the top 100 of teams. There's like thousands of teams in this contest. We ranked in the in the top 100 of week one scores. Man, we outscored all of them without having even a running back that was good. We had Ronald Jones and Devin Singletary, but Dak, Tyree Kill, Amari Cooper, Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Goddard got us all the way through there, man. That's a really solid looking team. And it just goes to show you don't need a crazy running back. Also, I want to say Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Adam Thielen, Tyree Kill, all outscored the RB1 in fantasy this week in PPR formats. Now, this is not me saying that you need to draft zero RB. I don't mean to point at you, but I'm not saying you need to draft zero RB and that it's like the only way to play and the best strategy ever. But I'm saying 10 to 20% of my teams look like this or look like this. 20, 10 to 20% of my teams look like this, where I have nothing at running back and just a stacked wide receiver, wide receiver through the flex, good quarterback, all that good stuff. It's a strong strategy. If, especially if you're at the back end of the draft and you're trying to compete with the Christian McCaffrey team, this is the way that you compete with the Christian McCaffrey team. That's a team that beats a Christian McCaffrey team. But if you go, let's say you want to go Nick Chubb and Najee Harris, that's not how you're going to beat it. Because uh, the Christian McCaffrey team went Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon. How is Najee Harris and Nick Chubb going to compete with Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey? That's kind of what we've been talking about all offseason. So I just wanted to show you guys that zero RB works. No matter how many people are going to hate it, no, many, no matter how many people in your league are going to trash you for it, Zero RB works. It is a very strong strategy. And don't worry, I will be following up with all of my high stakes leagues and kind of the formations and the structures of all of them after the season, kind of say, you know, what my ROI was, all that good stuff. Now that's going to do it for today. This is actually fairly clean for, you know, not having any cuts or any edits. This is all, all, all off the top of the dome. One take Drake, but I'm happy about this. Let me know down below. Let me know what what record you guys finished with, or I guess not record, but how'd you guys how'd you guys do in your leagues this week? Three and zero, four and zero, two and one. How'd you guys do, man? Let me know. Now stay tuned. Tomorrow we're gonna be doing a, a waiver wire video. Also for any of you guys out there that want my weekly rankings, my waiver wire stuff, it's all on the Patreon. On the Patreon, the in season content is going to be 
week two or uh, Tuesday, I'll have my waiver wire, like a little mini article on Discord where we're going to go over, you know, the fab guidance, all that good stuff, the zero RB targets. Then we're going to see on Wednesday, I'm going to have my weekly rankings done where I'll have like, you know, PPR, 0.5 PPR, all my weekly rankings out. And that'll be all the good stuff for the Patreon. Also be, you know, updating other things like rest of season rankings and dynasty rankings, all that good stuff, all on the Patreon for literally $5. And if you want to ask me, oh, should I pick up this guy or this guy or, you know, start sick questions, all that good stuff on the Patreon. Now, with that being said, I love you guys. Week one in the books. We're going to kind of mess around with in-season content again. I, I enjoy, you know, going through kind of recapping the week like we just did today. But if this video doesn't do well, then I'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of, I'm going to cater to whatever you guys want. So if you enjoyed this video, make sure you leave a like. Um, because we could, you know, just like split waiver wire into two videos. We could split trade targets into two videos. I could instead of, you know, like today I woke up and I just took a bunch of notes, took a bunch of screenshots, kind of put this outline together. I could... Instead of doing this, I could just put together a waiver wire one. And then tomorrow we could do like running back trade targets and then wide receiver trade targets on Wednesday instead of having this top 10 takeaway show. So let me know how you guys feel about this because I, I enjoy this. I want to have a, a, an outlet where I can kind of talk about what just happened without, you know, just getting right into waiver wire and all that good stuff. But if you guys... Uh, if you guys don't love this or you guys want to see waiver wire instead where I kind of break up waiver wire into... Or if I just go waiver wire today and then I break up trade targets into two videos, I don't know. Again... A lot of experimenting is going to go on this season. This is my first time doing like full-time content in season. So with that being said, again, I feel like I saw this or said this earlier, but I love you guys. You can follow me at RonStore underscore on Twitter. And that is going to do it. We're not going to have a traditional outro because we are doing this uh, pretty much one take Drake. But as always, man, I'll see you guys in the next one.